Hello, you're listening to the Hosanna Houston podcast. Hosanna Houston is a church for all people, transforming lives through love and generosity. Here, we revisit Sunday sermons from Pastor Edwin Guerra. Welcome. If those, to those also are watching online, welcome. This is our second week of a series we began on return. And I want us to just kind of Open your Bible. If you have a Bible to the book of Revelations, we're going to start right off, off the bat right there in chapter 2, verse 4. Revelations chapter 2, verse 4, and it reads, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. I read it again. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. And if you have your Bible there, it won't be up there or in the screen, but that first part of verse 5, if you see it right there next to what you're reading, it says, look how far you have fallen. So we are talking about return. We're going to be talking in the next couple of weeks about the return of Jesus. And I started saying in the beginning last week of this series that I don't know much about the second coming of Jesus. But I guarantee you that when he does return, we'll know everything we need to know about the second coming of Jesus. But for now, we're going to stick to what the scripture says. And for this week, again, we're going to just focus on how it all has to do with us also coming back to Jesus. So this is a a great verse to just get it going immediately so you know exactly what we're talking about when it says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. So this is a spiritual mirror before us saying, check yourself. Think about your relationship with Jesus and how you started and where you are now. Are you at this point? And I I love the the first part of verse 5 was this. Look how far you have fallen. So it's just highlighting and saying, look at where you and I are. It's time to examine this walk, this relationship. And now there's a lot of tools and resources, gimmicks, and ideas that we can come up with to remedy the hearts of people, right, that have gone or drawn cold for God. We could stir up some stuff and, you know, put some lights and show and smoke and other things and just kind of figure out some gimmicky way to stir up the hearts of people. But that is definitely not a sustainable or real way to have people's heart be on fire for God. So what it boils down to is if we can focus on one thing and one thing alone instead of all the other things to do, I can start by asking this question, what then has the power to inflame or to ignite a person's heart again? So think about your walk with Jesus Think about the highs and the lows maybe or someone you might know, the highs and the lows of their walk. What does it take 
for someone to be passionate once again about their relationship with Jesus. Now, if you're here or you're watching us right now, I want to ask you, have you ever cried this verse out to the Lord? And it's Psalm 51.12, and it says this. Psalm 51.12 says this. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. And here comes the, the powerful part as well. It says, and make me willing to obey you. When was the last time you said to God, make me willing to obey you? Here's my life. I understand where I am, where I stand in this relationship, God. I want you to make me willing to obey your word. When was the last time any of us cried that out? Besides us thinking, well, I'll get to it when I get to it. Or wait till, you know, the right song and the right little feeling and then the little goosebumps, you know, I get at church sometimes and that one tear starts rolling down and then there's this feeling of maybe God is here. No, God is always here. When have we prayed, make me willing to obey you, God? Is your heart burning for God or on fire for God? Is your heart really desiring God? And this isn't just some Christianese lingo that I'm talking up here. This is biblical. Now today I want us to look and focus on Luke 24. So if you have your Bible, go to Luke 24. That's where we'll kind of look at a story. And it's one of the most beautiful moments in Jesus' ministry. And this is after the resurrection. Something that happens on the road to Emmaus. And the scene opens with him walking with a couple of his followers that are walking down this road. And Jesus suddenly, like he always does, appears to them. And I want to start the verse on verse 13. So if you want to follow along, Luke chapter 24, verse 13 and on. And we'll be skipping some verses and reading as we go along. Verse 13 says, Luke 24, the same day... Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. It's okay. So you see the picture. You can understand what's happening there. Seven miles away from their, you know, destination, and they're walking. They don't have, you uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, what's that thing called? Oh, my God. Uber or, or a taxi or anything like that, right? So they're, they're walking. They don't have horses or camels they're getting on. No, they're walking seven miles to their destination, and this is what begins to happen. Verse 14, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. So the two men are saying, this is right after uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. As they talked, verse 15, and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Verse 16, but God, once again, kept them from recognizing them. Oh, recognizing him, I'm sorry. But God kept them from recognizing him. 
So then something begins to happen as they're walking along and Jesus is walking with these two. Some type of Bible study begins to suddenly happen as they're walking together with them and Jesus begins to walk them through the scriptures. And now I want you to jump right there on chapter 24 of Luke to verse 27. So go all the way to verse 27. And Luke 24, and we're going to read... And it says, then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining, so highlight that part, explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, right? By this time, verse 28, all the scriptures, I'm sorry, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and at the end of this journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, verse 29, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. Isn't that nice? Jesus going to your house. I want you to know that Jesus could be at your house as well. Verse 30, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, verse 31, their eyes were Right? Their spiritual eyes were open and they recognized him. At that moment, Jesus disappeared. Verse 32, and then they said this to each other. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained, there's that word again, highlight, explain the scriptures to us. And explained the scriptures to us. Jesus was teaching them on how to interpret and read and interpret the Bible. And the main point was, it's all about me. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm explaining to these two gentlemen that are walking here with me. And they were listening for whatever that time frame of seven miles allowed them to listen to Jesus. And he was telling them all the scriptures that you read and everything that I'm saying to you, it's about me. Jesus, the scriptures are about Jesus. And it says that their hearts were burning on the inside. Now, it's, it's amazing that even to this day, we use other things to try to get people's hearts to be burning for Jesus, on fire for Jesus, or passionate about Jesus, other than scripture. Oh, we do so many things, so many gimmicks, so many shows, so many activities, right? And we think that that is what's going to sustain us, and it's not that, but it's the scriptures, right? The scripture, and Jesus saying the scripture, as he explained the scriptures to them, their hearts were burning for him. What's the thing that sets our hearts on fire? What's the thing that caught their attention and their affection and was drawing them to him? It was the interpretation of the scriptures to them. The word of God. 
Let me say something to you guys today. 2,000 plus years later, it's the same thing. It has not changed. It continues to be the word of God, the thing that ignites a fire and a passion in each and every one of us. Nothing else. Everything else is not sustainable. Everything else is a gimmick. The scriptures is what sustains you and gives you a heart that is passionate to love Jesus and to serve Jesus and to love others and to serve others. Amen? That is what sustains us. So as we worship with our lives, because your life is an act of worship for God or to God, Jesus and nothing else needs to be the center of our lives. So many people may say that a Christ-centered worship simply means singing some songs about Jesus, praying the right prayers about Jesus, or preaching the right sermons that talk about Jesus. But let me explain this. Every single one of us, Christians or not Christians, come to a place like this to worship after spending a whole week, days upon days, right, where it's all about us. Think about it. Your whole week is about you making sure you do what you do correct so that you and yours can benefit. That's it. And then you come once a week for a few minutes and we say to you, Forget you because it's Jesus the focus. And now you're trying to shift your mindset from all this self-centeredness the whole week. And now you're saying, let me take these 30 minutes and focus on Jesus only. I'm going to say something. It doesn't work effectively. If your whole week is about you and you're trying to separate 30 minutes for Jesus once a week, I'm sorry, it's not going to sustain. It's not going to be sustainable. It's just going to be a little moment where you got goosebumps because they played your favorite song. Right? And it's not sustainable so that you can build a foundation and a relationship for the rest of your life. So... This self-centeredness that most people... And we're all guilty of it. Outside of these moments that we have at church happen in our lives. The Apostle Paul called it the old self. And we must get rid of the old self. The, one, the, the, the thing that makes us think about us, other, uh, us being the center of everything. And if you think I'm lying, just look at social media. Any platform you want to. It's all about whoever is on, behind that screen. Make sure they look good, make sure they, whatever it is, right? Romans chapter 7 verse 5 says this, when we were controlled by our old nature, so the old self, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at, the, at work within us. So when this was self-centeredness is at work in us, then the, the sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. 
Self-centeredness results in death because it is sin. If my worship to God is to be self-centered, it has to first do the work of displacing me. And I'll explain what this means. It has to tell me, please hear this out, that I am no longer the center of the world. Newsflash, you are not the most important person on this earth. All right? Newsflash, Jesus is the most important person on this earth. All right? This has to, this has to be a displacing of myself that I can understand that first I am a fraud, an imposter, and a sinner. I have to understand these things. I have to understand these things. And that God is perfect and holy. So there is no way that I can take myself and put myself in the center of everything for, you know, seven plus days of the week and then come here for one hour and think that I'm going to shift that and I'm going to focus solely on Jesus. It has to be a shift of this. We have to always have Jesus at the center of our lives. In everything you do, in your business meeting, Jesus is right there. You understand? When I can recognize, when I can understand that I myself are rebellious against God, that I am a sinner, that I am self-centered, this type of worship reminds me and takes me out of the center of the world in my own little bubble that I can create, and it puts Jesus at the center of everything, and therefore now my worship can be true to him. All right, I'll get back to Luke. All right, Luke 24. Let's go to verse 41. Now, verse 41 begins after Jesus had appeared to the disciples, right? And the two from the road that Jesus had just encountered were, had already told their story to the disciples. Now, this is what's going on in verse 41. And it says, still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. It says, then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of uh, boiled fish, he says. And he ate it, and they watched. Verse 44, he said, when I was with you, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. So once again, Jesus confirming that everything that is in this book is about him. Verse 45, then he, who? Jesus. Please hear this out. Jesus, Jesus. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You see, one of our prayers needs to be, Jesus, would you reveal to me what is in your word? Would you speak to me through your word? Would you do this, Jesus? You know, not so much let me watch the next preacher, but let me sit down as well and spend some time in this and say, God, would you help me hear you in these verses 
And what do they mean for my life? It says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures in verse 46. And he said, yes, it is written long ago that Mo, the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. Verse 47, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in authority of, for his, of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. The problem in the world today, I'll say it a million more times until Jesus comes back, the problem in the world today is sin. People are sinning. We are sinners, and we need forgiveness. It's nothing, it has nothing to do with this or that. It has everything to do with sin. And Jesus came to forgive, to pardon, to remove our sins. Verse 48, you are witnesses of all these things. And verse 49 says... And, how, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. The Holy Spirit is already here. Amen? It's already here. It's ready to walk alongside you, to be with you in the highs and in the lows. For you to run to the word of God when, when times are good and when times are bad. For you to have a sustainable relationship through the word of God the rest of your life and not these, not these just moments of good, you know, feelings. But you can know that in the good and in the bad, he is with you and he sustains you. And until that day that you can see him face to face, you will be faithful because your hope is on the word of God, is on Jesus Christ himself. Amen? I'll finish with this. It's amazing how Jesus himself opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. And that's why I say to you, your prayer should be, Jesus, would you open my eyes to understand the scriptures? Anyone who doesn't understand the scriptures is easily swayed to the left or to the right. But when we understand the scriptures, we can hold on to scripture and we can say, Jesus is my rock. Jesus is who I trust, who I hold on to. Amen. Now, let me say this again, Christians and non-Christians, it's time to get off of our little tiny self-centered kingdoms that we've built. And this happens even to Christians. It's not about us. It is about Jesus and how powerful and how loving, how caring, how amazing he is. It's never about us. It's always about Jesus. His word, the word of God is transforming. It's the only thing that changes everything. It's the only thing that moves mountains, causes Miracles that you would have no idea that could happen, but Jesus can make them happen when your hope and your trust is in him. 
And I'll finish with this last verse. And I believe with all my heart that the Lord is calling us to return to him. If you're watching this, God is calling you to return to him. If you are here, God is calling us to return to him. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30 says this. Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Teach you what? Teach you this. The scriptures. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the word of God. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. People are suffering from fear and anxiety right now. There are thousands and thousands of Christians, millions of Christians that are full of fear right now. And it is because they have not enough word in them to stand on the word of God and believe that God is sufficient. You will find rest for your souls. And verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Thank you so much for listening to the Osana Houston podcast. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to email us at info at OsanaHouston.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Osana Houston. If you would like to donate, visit our website, OsanaHouston.org.